opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit ConflictHealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, we have just gotten this wonderful book called The Book of Truth, The Master Trilogy Book 2, A Channeled Text. And so I was so thrilled to be able to get the author, Paul Selig, author also of I Am the Word, on our show coming to us from New York City. And let me tell you a little bit about our wonderful guest. Um, Paul Selig has done incredible things in his breakthrough works of channeled literature. He is an author and a medium. Paul Selig has recorded an extraordinary program for personal and planetary evolution. Paul was born in New York City and received his master's degree from Yale. He had a spiritual experience in 1987 that left him clairvoyant. As a way to gain context for what he was beginning to experience in his life, he studied a form of energy healing, and he was working at Marianne Williamson's Manhattan Center for Living and he had his own private practice. In the process, he began to hear for his clients, and much of Selig's work now is as a clairvoyant, a clairaudient, he channels, and he's an empath. Paul has led channel energy groups for many years, and he published his first book, which included channeled learnings, The I Am... The Word was the name of it. I Am The Word in 2010. His unique abilities have been featured on ABC's News Nightly, I'm sorry, ABC News Nighttime, Fox News, The Biography Channels, and The Unexplained, and many others. And he actually, there was a documentary film, Paul and the Word, And he's appeared on numerous radio shows and podcasts, including Coast to Coast AM with George Nouri, who I love, and Bob Olson's Afterlife TV. You can learn more about him at our website at conflicthealing.com, where you'll see his photo, a JPEG of his book, and we link to his website, Paul Selig, that's P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G.com. So thank you so much for joining us, Paul. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about how you became aware that you had this gift to channel and become an empath. How did that happen? 
Well, I, you know, as you said in the bio, I studied a form of energy healing. I was um, volunteering at a place that was providing services for people with life-challenging illness. It was the height of the AIDS epidemic in New York mm. City. Mm. I found that when I had my hands on people's bodies, I started to hear things for them. Mm. As the client kept confirming the information that I was getting, I began to trust that transmission more, and I began to feel what was going on in other people's bodies. First, I was serving as a physical empath, and now I work primarily as an emotional, mental one. I sort of do this weird telepathic thing where I can step into other people that I haven't met and begin to resemble them and hear what's going on. It's been, you know, documented, and it's, it's I don't know what it is, maybe mirror neurons or something. Hmm. That was back in the early 90s, and I held a group in my apartment for many years. I was doing this very quietly because I was you know, on the faculty of NYU for most of my adult life. But I began to channel in the group, and, you know, back in 2008, or so, my guides really began to lecture through me. And that's now the work that I do with them. The books that come through me are channeled. They're not written by me. I literally sit in a, sit in a chair with my eyes closed and take the dictation, and it's recorded and then transcribed. And there are now five of these books um, in print, and a sixth is supposed to be delivered you know, over the next couple of months. So mm. how it began, and that's where it is. Yeah. It, it's very similar to like, uh, you know, A Course in Miracles or Edgar Cayce. They, they had something that came from beyond that came through them as well. So um, it's, it's a wonderful gift. Was there ever a time that you were frightened by it or taken aback or wish you didn't have that? Yes and no. I think every step I go forward in this work, to become more public with it has been very challenging for me. When I first studied healing, I didn't know that I had the right to do any of this stuff. And mm. I was raised an atheist, so I didn't come from a background where these things were, were all that present. So I've had to work through a lot of my resistance, but as I do the work, I have to keep confronting myself and the stuff that stands in the way of my expression. So was I ever scared of the information coming through me? No, because the guides that I work with, I think, are very careful not to operate in fear. They say they don't exist at that level of consciousness. Mm. Um, so there's no scary messaging coming through. But there is a lot of messaging about you know, the requirements of the individual to deal with their stuff in order to begin to move beyond some of the limitations that we've been, you know, adhering to individually and collectively. Yeah, and I, I, was, I would think that society, and especially you came from being in the academia, you know, and, and teaching at NYU, mm -hmm. that, you know, we... And, and I know I, I've been a professor myself and also in my legal industry as I get more metaphysical, you know, you have this fear of maybe people are going to judge you poorly or maybe you don't have it. But, you know, the more I become more uh, metaphysically involved, I think some people are maybe alienated from me in my field, you know, and, sure. and seeing things different. So, yeah, that's what I was thinking about is the, the how does that affect the rest of your life? But mm. it, it would seem to me that um, it would be a beautiful gift. Now, was it, you talked about in the beginning, you, you weren't really sure 
is it like voices speak to you and you just didn't know if it was your own self-talk or what? It's not, you know, there are different kinds of clairaudience, at least as I've been taught. There are people that hear voices if it's in the room and they look around and they go, where did that come from? And that's mm. my clairaudience. What it's like for me is that a thought presents itself that blocks out all other thoughts. Mm. My own consciousness actually recedes. So initially when I was hearing, I would have my hands on somebody and all of a sudden I would hear something that made no sense. I'd have mm. something, I hear the name Isadora, and I'd go, who's Isadora? There would be no reason for me to think of that name, you know, or Fishing Tackle or... Albany, New York, you know, I mean, anything like that. Right. Say, who's Isadora? And they say, oh, my God, that's my mother. Or, oh, my God, that's the babysitter who locked me in a closet when I was 10. And those were ways for them to then begin to move energy that had been blocked. So I was hearing for people specifically to support them in moving through some of their stuff or letting go of some of the issues that were causing them pain. Mm. Um, So initially, it was different. When I channel, which is really taking dictation, I I imagine when I'm working that I'm climbing into the backseat of a car and turning over the steering wheel to Mm. my guide. So my consciousness is present but it's receded. And this other consciousness comes forth that's a whole lot wiser than me and knows things that I really can't know and delivers these books that don't require any editing, which I'm still scratching my head. <laughs> my books, no editing. It's crazy to me right. how they come through. Wow. Yeah, you, you analogize your ability somewhat like um, being like a radio and I wanted you to talk a little bit more about that. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we're all radios. Mm-hmm. Say we're all radios, and we're always in broadcast, and our broadcast is our consciousness. When I work as a channel, I'm tuned into the station that my guides are playing, and I'm receiving their broadcast. And my job then is to take the dictation as clearly as I can. When I read for people, which is a psychic ability, I think the channeling is a spiritual one. I don't ask me to describe the difference, but the psychic one does require more interpretation. So if I, if, if I were to read for you, I would probably ask you for your full name first, maiden, any married names you've taken, and tune into you. And then I'm tuning into you as if you're the station. Mm. I become you, essentially, which is why I seem to have this weird thing where I can start to look like people at a distance. That I, 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 you know, I don't know them. You know, I've never seen them. Right. Then I start to hear them. So I'm playing their broadcast. When I'm reading a client, or if I were reading you, the first thing that I would probably do would be to take a physical posture. My face, you know, angry, fearful, protecting myself. I literally sort of do this, and then I get to interpret, okay, I'm now holding my hands up as if to push something away. That always means overwhelmed. So there's a physical vocabulary that's developed. And then as I get either the response of the accuracy of it or if I just don't even care and I'm just going to go for it, I'll just lay it all out there, mm-hmm. which is, you know, this this is fear, this is about a relationship, this is about a man, he's walking away from you, it feels spousal, you're hiding your face, you don't want to be seen, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm interpreting the data that I receive until I start to hear the client. 
There's a point in a reading usually when the client will make their own mind known, and I don't have to interpret much, and I'll hear, you know, my husband is leaving me and I feel ashamed, and I don't know, you know, if there's ever going to be somebody else, or, you know, my guides will pipe in and say, ask them what happened when they were 19, hmm. and I'll go, okay, what happened to you when you were 19? And if the person's come to me because they... They can't hold a job. 19 may be the year that they were told by their first boss that they were never going to amount to anything, and they believe. Mm. And then we go to that, and then we move the energy. So it's, um, it's productive work. It's not fortune-telling. I mean, I do right. work in my practice, but it's not what interests me the most. Right, right. So when you, you talked a few minutes ago about how you close your eyes and then something will come to you. Mm-hmm. So... Um, did you, this happened after, you know, later on in your life. So was this a time when you, you said you were doing healing work? Were you meditating quite a bit? I mean, did that help you to get to yeah. that, that deeper sense of consciousness? You know, I, I, when I first began channeling and hearing, and I started doing groups, and this was in my early 30s, and these were in my apartment mostly. They were pretty low-key things. Once in a while, I would get asked to go someplace. But I used to feel like I had a tin can and a string up to my ear, and I was hoping somebody else would grab the other can and talk into it. I was always terrified I wouldn't be able to hear. I actually was meditating in those days, and I, I could do well to begin to do that now in my life because it does help. Um, but what happened for me specifically, and this was probably in my mid-30s, is I heard right before a group one day that I was being asked if I would give permission to merge with the energy that works with me, and I felt it happen. And now I don't feel like I have to go anyplace. I just feel like I'm linked up. So there's not some place that I have to get to um, in order to be able to do this. It really is no different than just moving a dial on a radio to hear a different station. That's how it is for me. Mm. When I'm doing workshops, I can be highly receded and not remember much of the content, but I'm present enough while it's going on to be able to inquire if I'm confused by the teaching or ask for clarification Mm -hmm. or for an illustration because, you know, I'm not an expert in this stuff. I'm not a guru. I don't want to be. I'm not a spiritual teacher. I have no interest in being that. I'm happy to show up for this work as another student of it and be in this sort of strange role as as radio. Hmm. Yeah, it just kind of reminds me of Edgar Casey when you said you don't necessarily remember too much of when you were in that zone. Well, he was asleep. He was the sleeping prophet, so he was yeah. old, supposedly, for all these things. I'm present. Hmm. For me, it's about how... I'm as present as you are when you're in the back seat of a car sort of half looking at a magazine when somebody else is running the show and thinking. Huh. You see, it's a little like that. So sometimes if I don't like what I'm hearing or I'm confused by it, it's as if I lean forward and say to the driver, where are we going? This is making me nervous. And then they'll have to explain where we're going or what the teaching is. Other times they'll say, relax, we're driving. Well, we'll come back to your question later. Um, but I'm, I'm not fully receded. I, I do this odd thing when I channel where I whisper the words as they come and then repeat them. 
so everybody hears everything twice. I see. The times that I channel directly when there's no repetition, then I don't remember anything. I see. And it's like being completely enveloped in a waterfall of energy, and it's just sound to me. It's not even, the sound doesn't even have meaning. I'm just speaking. You know, mm-hmm. phenomena, and that's not my favorite thing to do. Is to sort of let go to that degree of complete, basically, displacement. So, can you kind of turn it off and on? Can you just uh, just relax uh, and not have to um, be listening? Like when maybe you don't want to listen to anybody telling you anything. Does it happen like that, or is it just you can't control it? No, I have my own mind and I have my own will, and hopefully that will is being aligned to the higher will. That's part of the point of this work. Yeah. yeah. Um, but mostly, and, and if I ask myself a question like, would this be a good day to go to the beach, I might hear not wise. Okay. Because it's going to rain. But it's because I asked a question. Mm. I want to go to the beach and sit in the rain. They're going to let me. I have free will. So they don't tell people what to do. They may support higher choices, but they don't take away free will. And at that level, they really don't intercede all that much. I wish they would in some ways. There are things I'd love them to just handle. Yeah, (laughs) really? Hey, you handle that one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, did you ever do any kind of brain scan while you were doing this just to see what was really happening? I remember I was watching the Long Island Medium on TV. I love to watch it. And she actually went to uh, a neurologist mm-hmm. who, who um, actually, while she was, mm-hmm. you know, me, she does mediumship, as you may remember. I don't know if you know who she is, but yeah, she does mediumship. And while she was doing that, she was um, her brain was the brain waves were actually very, very different than when she was just in her ordinary, uh, you know, daily activity. Yeah. I haven't been. I would like to be. I would like to be tested. I think be really interested. I mean, it's interesting on a couple of levels. The channeling and where I go is interesting. But equally interesting is what happens when I'm tuning into other people and essentially becoming them because there are physical things that happen. And when I Mm. sometimes, I mean, I have, you know, hazel, dark hazel eyes, but there are times when I'm channeling and I'm working directly with people in in, in workshops that my eyes become, I've been told, I haven't seen it myself, a very, very pale blue. So there's a lot of sort of things that I think are phenomena that's attached to this that I, I would assume can be understood by somebody who has a vocabulary for this or knows what they're looking for. Um, mm. Yeah, I, it would be fascinating to do that, to yeah. see. They're doing so much brain research now, that, um, and they can see so much on, on an MRI yeah. with what is actually happening in your brain that mm. uh, it would be fascinating. So um, you... You at times seem almost, well, I don't want to ask you that one. So some people don't know the difference between channeling and uh, being a psychic. Can you help my audience understand that? Well, in my my estimation and my way of understanding this, channeling really is taking dictation. It's different from being inspired. You know, I heard once that the author Shirley Jackson 
wrote her story, The Lottery, in one sitting, you know, and it just came out of her completely whole. And whether that was channeling my hunches, that was inspired. They're inspired speakers. Have you ever heard, you know, Martin Luther King's speeches? Right. They're as high up there in inspiration as anything I've ever heard in my life. Was he channeling? I think he was being used as a vehicle. Um, when I'm channeling, I am literally taking dictation. It's like somebody is giving me the words and I'm repeating them. Um, and so there's not any real improvisation attached. Occasionally, I might try to presuppose where my guides are going to take us, take an idea, and once in a while they'll acknowledge my idea and, and, and integrate it in their own way. But for the most part, if I were to say, if the guides were to say to me, it was the night before Christmas and all through the, my impulse would be, to say house, because I'm used to that, they'll flip the word, which was the night before Christmas and all through the apartment, <laughs> to make sure that I know that it's their language right. have to be attending to. So channeling is dictation. Psychic has more to do, for me at least, with interpretation, interpreting, interpreting images, data. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's reading. It's a form of reading. Right. Um, I, when I'm channeling, I'm essentially the voice for something that's already been written mm. being imprinted in consciousness that's at least my experience of it my guides can come through and just talk but then again i'm taking dictation i'm not altering the transmission to suit what i want it to be mm. so who are your guides they call themselves teachers um they've used different terms to describe themselves the name that's been given, and they gave this in the fourth book, and I was actually a little disappointed that they did because I don't like getting attached to the names. I think the ego gets stuck there. Ah. And they used was Melchizedek, but that's a priesthood, and that's a lineage of teachers that goes back a very, very long time, as well as a, a high being or ascended master, whatever you want to call it. But I think of them as teachers. They're only called the guides because my ex, when my ex found out that I was a psychic, used to say, ask the guides this, ask the guides that. <laughs> now they're called the guides. I mean, it's just the name they ended up with, and they haven't objected at all. Yeah. No. So that's, that's the best I can tell you. So what, what is really the most challenging part of what you do? Um, I suppose still... It's that I'm the one doing it and that I'm being challenged by the information that I think my life should work seamlessly. I should have the perfect body. My hair should have grown back. Whatever I would like to have happened, I kind of feel like, well, that because I'm doing all this work, I should have this idea of myself and who I should be in the world that's appropriate to the teaching. And that probably may never happen. You know, I'm this guy that was a college teacher for 25 years. Mm. I was a playwright on and off, you know, since college and graduate school because it's what I studied. But, you know, I'm having this extraordinary experience, and it is challenging. I left an academic life that I quite liked to do this, and I'm grateful that I did it. I'm on a great adventure right now, but it's also an adventure that challenges real aspects of myself. I'm a very shy person, and I just spent three days on the West Coast doing workshops for, you know, upwards of 125, 150 people, you know, over the course of days, just different groups. That's a challenge for me. I enjoy it, but I'm having to learn to be public and also 
to really make the distinction that I am not the guides teaching. I can interpret their work, but they're the teachers, and I'm really there to render the energy and, you know, I mean, render the information and, and align the energy for everybody else through how they work with me for the good of all. Mm, comes through you. That's what, you know, I've been a meditator for so many years, and um, when I get into that zone, it feels like I have a guide, you know, or, or, or some energy or God or whatever you want to call it, you know, guiding me. And when I let go of my ego and when I let go, and which is what you've been learning to do, um, it, it seems that it kind of flows a little bit more. So I'm fascinated by that. I think it's, I think um, it's, it's a lot more than intuition. Although intuition seems to be kind of connected to it in some way. What do you think? Well, my guys talk a lot about knowing and being in your knowing, and they talk a lot about the difference between knowing and thinking. And your intuitive self, I feel, right. is, the, is the part of you that knows and will not lead you astray. It can't because it knows. It's the voice of, of the true self or it's your guides or higher self working with you to bring you forward. So I think it's a wonderful thing to begin to trust and to develop. Yeah, it's fabulous. Well, we believe it or not, we're we're just about out of time. So I just want to say this wonderful book by Paul Selig, uh, The Book of Truth, The Mastery Trilogy, Book Two, uh, a channel text. So book three is coming out soon too, huh? Hasn't been taken. Hasn't I haven't taken the dictation yet? Oh. <laughs> Well, we will we'll have to have you back again when uh, when book three comes about. You want to give your website, and it's time for us to go. Sure. It's my name, www.paulselig.com. Paulselig.com. Well, wonderful. Thank you for sharing with us. This is a wonderful book, and uh, people can go to your website and also our website and even see and connect to you. So mm -hmm. you take care, and we thank you so much for joining us. Bye-bye. Having me. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. You gotta fight both night and day Doesn't matter what some people may say Don't be the lamb's cry, be the lion's roar Cause love is worth fighting for, I know, yeah Love is worth fighting for Love is worth fighting for You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. Hi, I'm Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy, which airs every Monday morning on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm also so pleased to present the weekly segment of Orange County Sheriff News and Safety Tips. And today we are welcoming Sergeant Mike Pixomatis, who is in the 
uh, is the drug education sergeant in charge of the drug education liaisons for the Orange County Sheriff's Department. And he has been with the department for 27 years. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. My pleasure, Mary. So tell us, what exactly do you and the other drug liaison officers do? Well, um, kind of to start off with this, um, Sheriff Sandra Hutchins, you know, she created the Drug Liaison Officer Program, you know, back in 2010 when uh, she first uh, became Sheriff of Orange County. One of the main reasons was to obviously help combat uh, the issue of drug abuse, especially among our young people, and to be uh, a nexus uh, in the various uh, communities that, that we patrol. You know, we have over 29 DLOs that represent uh, all the 13 contract cities we patrol. Plus, I have uh, DLOs involving our crime lab, courts, uh, coroner's division, and reserves. And we make them available to the public to you know, answer any questions about drugs that they may have. Uh, also provide information about various prevention groups you know, for counseling and treatment. And also to give drug education presentations uh, to the community on, on some of the latest drug trends. You know, some of these presentations that we've done for the communities have included, uh, you know, not only for parents and teens, uh, elected officials, educators, and other professional staff, and we've included such topics as, uh, you know, prescription abuse, you know, alcohol, um, some of the latest drug trends, electronic cigarettes, even marijuana. You know, as a drug education sergeant, uh, I also work with uh, several of our community prevention groups and invite them to be a part of these presentations. You know, the, the drug program, and, and the sheriff really understands this as well, it is not going to go away by itself, and it will take all of us working together, you know, to, to combat this issue. You know, our department is so large, it makes a, a little more difficult for the communities, you know, to really build a rapport with our department. And to get things out um, about the DLO program, it uh, helps identify a, a deputy who the public can contact and, you know, get some much-needed uh, answers to the questions that they may have. Well, that's terrific. Well, we're going to have you back again to talk a little bit more with us about what's going on in the current drug scene and what we can do about it. So thank you so much for all the great work that you're doing. And people can find out more at OCSD.org, and then they can search on drug education. So we'll have you back again very soon, Mike. Thanks. Thank you, Mari. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you.